Good evening, and welcome to A Totally Different Reality. I'm your host, Julia Sotis, and I'm in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica right now. And Well, I shouldn't say the middle of the jungle. I'm in a very small town um, just outside of San Jose, uh, and I start my first day of university tomorrow. And uh, this is quite the place. I, I uh, had a little nap this afternoon, and I get up, and I went outside, and there was like an entire Costa Rican family in the kitchen eating dinner and they had dinner ready for me and I had tortilla soup with them and I have a little three-year-old brother like the whole family lives here all the way for like all generations so I'm having a good time it's really cool I've I've never lived in this sort of circumstance so it's really fun um so anyways that's what I've been doing today um, so today on my show is Connor Hill, who is a very, very dear friend of mine and a very, very intelligent man. So um, welcome, Connor. Jeez, thank you. I'm currently <laughs> blushing if you could actually see me right now. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. I guess we can let our listeners know I'm not actually too far from you. We're probably a few K away i'm sitting in the san jose marriott at the moment watching spanish television well not watching spanish television anymore obviously <laughs> did you watch a telenovela no i wasn't even paying attention um oh telenovelas no are my absolute favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> oh que se habla espanol <laughs> Man. So today I'm so excited, or tonight I should say, it's getting late already. Tonight our topic is pragmatic futurist and what it means to be a pragmatic futurist. Um, it's one of the big topics that came about during facilitators training in Costa Rica this last five days. Um, Connor and I were there from August 22nd till yesterday um, evening. And this, so this we have to apologize if we sound a little fried. <laughs> Sorry to jump in. Hello? like Julia might we might have lost her so I guess I'll just continue the conversation Um, the story yes our call here is about the pragmatic futurist Uh, as Julia said it came up during the facilitators here in Costa Rica and one of the things I want to add about it is actually Chutissa Bowman has written a blog um, along their benevolent capitalism website. You guys should check it out if you ever want to go see that. Um, search up the benevolent capitalism or just search up pragmatic futurists on Google and it'll pop up along there somewhere uh, and take a look at that. I also wanted to talk a little bit actually because um, <clears throat> Gary suggested to Julia and I that we take a little excerpt from the Beyond the Utopian Ideal book. It just came out this year, and I read it, and it fried my brain. I read it in about two days, and with a lot of catness in between there, because most of it is just so world-changing, at least for me, that um, i got to take a little bit of a rest and can't get through a few pages. And I've talked to a lot of people that have had the same issues. So... In this book for Beyond the Utopian Ideal, I'll kind of touch on the first subject of a pragmatic futurist is the future. A futurist, at least by what 
the internet says the definition or some definition that Julia actually found online, the definition is someone that can see the future or predict the future based on current trends. Now I'm back on. You're back on. Yay. I'm here. I'm here. I'm feeling so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were you at? I am actually talking about the pragmatic futurist. I've covered a little bit of the futurist and I've talked about beyond the utopian ideal. You haven't missed much. I really tried to just catch up um, mentally with where you were at. So I just told everybody we had the definition that you found on the internet was for a futurist is someone that can predict the future based on current trends. Now, since we're breaking this down from pragmatic futurist to just to the futurist and the pragmatist and talk about those from there, the futurist, as far as Gary's definition would be that we got from facilitators is, since I just listened to the calls again, is a futurist is willing to see possibilities. Mm. Right. Right. So, so, okay, let's break this down into, like, like where in your life have you used pragmatic, let's call it futurism. We're making a new word. But, like, okay. like how do you, like, I always see you looking like I can see it in your eyes. Like you're always looking so far into the future, but not from utopian ideals. Like you're looking at what's actually possible. So can you like talk about how you do that or what you see or what you see created? Yeah, I guess I like that you bring the utopian ideal part because the definition that you found online is really a, a utopian ideal, right? Is that you can see the current trend and then you can predict where the future is going to go. Now that would be kind of, I think as I would see it is a utopian construct. Well, not so much because you are just predicting based on what's going on right now, as opposed to hoping that something can happen and trying to get an outcome that you really want. Um, For me, I guess certain things that I look at, there's so much that I see with access, like the possibilities there. And um, I really jump ahead, but I'm not going to. We can talk about that later. Um, no, jump. We combine yeah, we'll the two words. wherever we want to go. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, it's like when you bring in, um, the like, oh, I guess I'll just say it. Gary's definition of pragmatic futurist was, I'll first say the pragmatist, a pragmatist is willing to create the possibilities. So a futurist is someone that is willing to see possibilities and a pragmatist is willing to create them. Now, take those two thoughts and put that into the pragmatic views where you uh, get the definition that Gary gives is one who knows what the future will be without a... Oh, no, this is also the futurist, sorry. Uh, is one who knows what the future will be without a solidification of what is actual actually a possibility so then you get a right so then the pragmatic futurist you combine the two really you get it's someone that doesn't get upset when the future that you see doesn't come yesterday because you will know you know it will come whether you like it or not right um no that makes total sense the The definition that I found for pragmatism is an approach that assesses the truth of meaning of theories or beliefs in terms of the success of their practical application. So I kind of like that because it's basically like saying that pragmatism is willing to really look at exactly what's going to work and what's not going to work, which is the total opposite of what we're taught to do in human reality. We're taught to make these huge, well, really utopian ideals and, and then try to live our lives based on the judgment of whether we're reaching that or not. And for most people, like the common ones are the nice house or the nice car. Um, I know that after I'd been doing access for a while, I asked Gary so many questions about, you know, getting married and having kids and, you know, the life that I thought I wanted. 
um, that he changed the foundation and level one manuals to fit me <laughs> um, about how young girls, when they're like 13, you know, they're planning their wedding, they're planning their wedding dress, they've got the perfect tuxedo, they know their venue. Um, and so they have to find a man to fit that utopian ideal, which is completely the opposite of pragmatism. It's, it's like taking this, this judgment, like that utopian ideal is actually a judgment. I guess people would call it a positive judgment. And it's taking your life and trying to fit it into this little tiny box of this idea of, let's say, a wedding. Um, and then all of the possibilities for what actually could be are killed. So, um, and I think that like from a lot of, like from a normal human perspective, like the idea of a perfect wedding and a perfect man and a perfect text would be like the ultimate fantasy. But when you're actually looking pragmatically at what could occur, it's always better than your utopian ideal. But we don't even look for that because we believe we're just taught to believe and default to the idea that our utopian ideal is going to be, is the, is the best thing possible. But that's not true. It's actually the opposite of what it appears to be because it's pragmatic to look beyond the utopian ideal. So, yeah, that's my understanding of it. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of bring up right now a question that, from, all the way from Taiwan, from George Ho, if I may. Yes. And George says, my question for you guys is, how do we consider the term futurist in the context of functioning away from linear time? That fried my brain. Do you want to brain. take that or do you want me to take it? That you take your... that one. I love that question. <laughs> Big fan. Okay, you Big go fan. for it. Yeah, so to me, George... Functioning in linear time is exactly like if if you look at obviously not Gary's definition obviously Gary's definition as opposed to looking at like the definition that Julia found on um, wherever she found it is instead of like a futurist would look at like what is possible well they know what's possible so then it linear. I wouldn't even say linear time necessarily as much as just linear, not going into a linear linearity of like how to actually get to that future. Um, or I should say maybe that's the pragmatist. The pragmatist actually looks at like, how are we going to get to that future as fast as possible? Uh, the futurist is like, well, I know this is possible. I want it yesterday. Pragmatist is like, how am I going to get there? And the utopian ideal is the idea that, you're going to get there linearly um, with fixed points of views and things like that. Uh, right. So time, time is still a difficult thing to me because I've, if you, you can watch all sorts of YouTube videos on time and it just kind of blows everything out of the water because if anybody knows, uh, Einstein's theory of relativity changes your whole perspective on time and, and we actually use that law of relativity basically now to do gps and cell phones wouldn't work like the clock on your cell phone all that stuff wouldn't work if it wasn't einstein's theory of relativity because they actually have to adjust the clocks in um, satellites so that a second at a satellite circulating circulating circling the earth um, is actually a little bit slower the second on the earth so that they can actually intertwine together if that makes any sense so okay, it sort um, of does can you can you explain that a little bit better i want to i i get it but like what, mm -hmm. what like what's the definition of the theory of relativity that's like it's actually really difficult um for me to explain i'd say because i it took me so long to understand it and that's where i love that gary saying you get it when you get it only when you get it because when it comes right. to physics I'm a civil engineer, for those who don't know, I love physics and cosmology and that kind of stuff. And there are so many things in that world that, that, that are highly theoretical that took me years to get after reading different materials. But Einstein, Einstein's theory of relativity came to him from his single 
favorite moment in his, his entire life. And it stemmed from when he was working at the, um, was it the patent office, wherever he was living at the time, maybe Germany or Italy or something. I think it was after he left Germany. So, and he realized that a person in an elevator uh, that was falling wouldn't know that the elevator, if the elevator was falling or not. Now, not based on like you would feel your stomach drop a little bit or anything like that. If you are in the elevator that's falling, based on your visual surrounding, you can't tell what's going on, right? Like it, right. you don't know that you're falling or not. So he started looking at all these different things. And um, I don't really want to get into a really long explanation of what Einstein's theory of relativity says, but basically the faster you move, and I love this, is the faster you move, the goes. So like a person that leaves the earth speed of light and is gone for 50 years and comes back and the entire time he's traveling near the speed of light, he'll arrive at the earth and he'll be a lot younger and everybody else will have aged. So, oh, wow. So to me, apply that to things like what I think a lot of people in Access are trying to do is constantly moving, constantly changing, always changing, always moving. And the faster you move, the faster you change, maybe the longer you live. Right. What do you think, Julia? <laughs> I think I agree. Um, that's, <laughs> it's really interesting. I don't have, uh, my brain is too fried to comment on that, but um, mm-hmm. no, I, it's really neat to see the people that have, like the people who choose for their lives, not based on utopian ideals, but actually choose from pragmatic futurism and what's actually possible they don't Mm -hmm. age because they're not always abusing themselves with you know like banging up against the judgment of the utopian ideal their lives actually work really really well and really Mm -hmm. really easily because they're willing to see the future and what's actually going to work um Mm -hmm. shuchissa bowman i uh, when we when we posted on Facebook that we were going to be having this conversation, um, Steve Bowman said, "Check out Shuchis's blog because she's she talks about pragmatic futurists." So I just want to read um, this is the first part of what she has here. Um, uh, she writes that a pragmatic um, futurist is about creating future po- um, potential possibilities. Being a pragmatic futurist and expanding the power to shape your futures is more important than ever in our world of accelerating transformation. Are you aware of the changes that are coming and how will, um, how will they affect you and your business? So let's talk a little bit about, about business and pragmatic futurism and how those two sort of intertwine. Like, how have you noticed that in your business and your willingness to be a pragmatic futurist, it probably makes your job a lot easier? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, as far as I'm concerned, with the civil engineering part, a lot more involved because it was actually a full-time job in the past where I was, I was a design engineer and a field engineer and... and um, Really, it worked well, obviously, when I did a lot of field investigation work where I'd have to go out and find out what's going on on site, uh, wherever the location of what we wanted to build something was, and then look at what was existing, and then also think before you went back into the office on your computer to think of exactly what issues you're going to run into in the future, and all these kind of things, and, and seeing, I guess, what is possible in the future. And then um, being the pragmatic the pragmatist and, you know, obviously move in that direction. Now, for me, if I get more at my life, I looked at what the possibilities were for my life in general if I stayed there. And not so much just if I stayed there, but I also looked at the possibilities on this planet as a whole. And after traveling to Paul and Southeast Asia and all over the place, um, the earth, like, we aren't really headed in a great direction. Like, I know if you're in the United States and maybe even Canada or something, it 
looks all over the place. We are quote unquote, maybe turning things around. Um, I would say maybe we're letting off the accelerator a little bit as far as um, the earth is concerned, because I was mostly involved in environmental type engineering. Where okay. These things, yeah, uh, like mostly in Boston. I worked in Boston cleaning up, helping to reduce the pollution going into the Boston Harbor. I also worked in, in Kansas, um, remediating oil fields, or sorry, old refinery sites and old retail sites were old gas stations that had gas leaking tanks that leaked into groundwater and the, and the soils there and stuff. And this stuff takes ages. And uh, to me, as well, it's not fast enough. It's not global enough. And um, when I went to places like Nepal, and I've even been to Dominica in the Caribbean, where my brother-in-law's from. And I, I, everywhere I see, there, those places are actually getting worse. They are not, as far as what I saw, letting off the gas pedal like we are. They're like pressing more and more on it as far as the pollution and things are concerned. And now maybe some people don't care, but um, I personally like to, you know clean up my house every once in a while at least <laughs> <laughs> not right. till the earth mm-hmm. so I, I really began to look uh, think so much of the future possible and I actually judged myself a bit while I was in Nepal that um, I, I was like we need to change the culture because people just threw things on the ground I watched as I was staring over a bridge into a river was literally just uh, treated like a landfill. Um, I watched a kid unwrap a piece of gum and then just throw the gum wrapper over the side of the bridge into the water. Now, you don't really see that in the United States or Canada or something very often, um, unless the person's a dick. (laughs) But it was like something where I was like, wow, that's what the kids are doing, you know? And um, as Dane and Gary have said, it's not just recycling isn't going to change anything. Because uh, I was in Singapore where there's islands off the side of Singapore that are just toxic wastelands from oil refineries and stuff. And now a pragmatic futurist to me is somebody that would look at, okay, I know in the future that it's possible that we can live on a sustainable planet that's clean and healthy for people and it's not abusive to the planet. Now at the same time, we can't exactly just stop drilling for oil and stop using oil. It's something we function from now. We need it. It's not, we can't just go off to the, you know, go out and have the idea utopia of let's stop. Let's just go back to the hippie lifestyle and live off the land and stuff. That's not really a direction we can go in. So I think the pragmatic futurist, you know, looks to the future possibilities and, and, you know, looks at how they can be created as fast as possible. And that's actually something I see a lot with, you know, going beyond this reality as anyone does that changes this reality. Right. Yeah, the pragmatic futurist is definitely, it, it's interesting because in this reality, it seems like people fit themselves into two categories. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're either, you know, pushing forward in in what we would call capitalism and maybe we can talk a little bit about benevolent capitalism in a minute yeah. um mm-hmm. but you know it's like we categorize ourselves into like these two slots or maybe three of well number one would be i don't give a shit and number two would be like you know the the people who are, are pushing forward with capitalism or the hippies and it's like it's like we just categorize ourselves into these like little groups rather than there is no group. You just look at what is and what's possible and choose based on that. And, you know, I think that like what we came across this weekend um, in the facilitator training about like the automatic response system um, is really applicable because we're, we're so used to just automatically responding to these issues in a certain way than actually being willing to see what the future is. And um, Gary was talking about how we've sort of like chosen these automatic response systems to put our lives on autopilot. 
um, mm-hmm. rather than actually being willing to look at what is. It was really interesting. Um, and I have a few clearings about that that we can we can run in a minute. Oh. But like to you, what are what are the automatic response systems that that people are functioning from? Oh my God, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I mean, where do you use your awareness? It's funny, like if if you go to access class this call isn't just for people on Max. If you go to access classes or anything, really, I should say anything that that strives for more awareness, and I'll stick to awareness really with it, is that um, you know you're not really ever or anytime you're in your in your life that you're aware, people want to discount it. Uh, but people always talk about that little voice, you know, little, listen to the little voice in your head, but that little voice is your awareness and that thing can be on all the time. Yeah. Or at least that's, that's my futurist point of view is that I know that that's possible and how do I get there? (laughs) I think the same for you. Can I ask you actually what, what, as, as far as, sorry to get off the um, automatic response though. uh, What have you seen? What, sort of futures do you see because i see you as a futurist um yeah maybe whether or not you see that but what sort of futures <laughs> do you see that are possible that well, you know will happen regardless I think, of what time i think that i'm i'm you know disney princess utopian ideal gone futurist and it's taken me a long time to get there and actually be willing to give up all of these judgments and ideas of what I thought could be and my idea of, you know, living on the ocean in a house with four children and a husband. And, and it's like, that is an incredible future, but is it really the one, like, was I, did I really choose to be here for that? Or did I choose to be here to change the face of the planet? And the more access I do, the more I realize that I'm here to change the face of the planet and, any time that things get really hard and I try to deny that that's what I'm here for, shit just hits the fan. So I can't mm-hmm. deny it anyways anymore. Mm-hmm. I've gone too far. <laughs> yeah. Like have like have you have you looked at the um like what what you would do once you do or be I guess once you had the husband and the four children on the would you just happily ever after or. Yeah, I think that was the idea. I mean, I mean, at that time, I wanted to do. I knew I, I was. I've been like, you know, reading tarot cards and doing spirituality, like and consciousness. Well, a little bit, kind of a mixture, because I don't necessarily think that consciousness and spirituality are. I think they're very different, actually. But I've been doing, you know, alternative things since I was twelve years old. When I was thirteen, I saved up all my money. Um, to take body talk training, which is like muscle testing. And it was $650. So all the money I had in my bank account and I went and took it. And the woman that I actually took it with is my, my business partner um, in access consciousness. Now she was just that facilitator training. You met her, Connor, her name's Robin. And um, it was Mm -hmm. like, even then, even though I was really clouded with these utopian ideals, it was like, the core of who I am, and I think that probably if you're on this call, the core of who you are, whether you want to know it or not, is a pragmatic futurist. Because even then, I was willing to see what needed to be created in the future. And at that age, I was I was willing to do it. So, but I kind of uh, went away from your question, but what do I see possible for the future is... I definitely... It was interesting. I've been asking for a lot of, like, for just, there's a certain energy I've been asking for recently, sort of like just an energy of just kindness and not necessarily slowness, but not like the sort of manic, Mm -hmm. like I, I tend to be very, I used to tend to be very manic and I still am a little bit, but I'm getting better. But I asked, you know, for the universe to show me something different than than that manic energy. And I'm here in Costa Rica in the middle of the rainforest. And I got to my school and the people just treated me with such kindness and respect. And, and it's like 
there was just this energy. As soon as I got to school today, I had to go to the bathroom because I was in such just joy and it was almost like a like a beyond or it was just a shock to my whole being of like I was just receiving exactly what I had been asking for so fast I didn't even know what to do so I went to the bathroom as soon as I got to school and just cried and cried just with with joy I just couldn't believe so it's like just the energy of that really present uh, that present kindness that we can all be to each other and it's not, it's different than being nice. It's not about being nice. You know, the original definition of the word nice is weak, pale, and interesting. And Really? I didn't know that. Weak, yeah. pale, and interesting? Yeah. Ooh. And so nice. if you're ever trying to be nice, <laughs> just ask yourself, is this really going to create the greatest future? Because sometimes, you know, creating a future means being a demon bitch or bastard from hell like it, it's not necessarily about being nice but there's a difference between nice and kind and the future that I see like if I'm looking pragmatically at what I can create and the energy that I can create in the world there's a certain level of just kindness and ease that we can all be for each other and I've been asking for it for so long and it was so amazing to see it mm-hmm. show up like just full throttled this morning. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it's interesting because I could have, if it was, you know, if I wasn't willing to see the gift that I am to the world, I would have gone to the school today and been like, Oh wow, this is so amazing. I've been asking for this and all these people, you know, are acting this way towards me, but it didn't happen. I created it. Like my presence in each room that I was in, change the room and I think that it's important as a pragmatic futurist that we realize that we're the ones creating it and because when we discount like we see the future we see what's pragmatic we ask for it which is the most pragmatic thing you can do is actually to ask the question Um, but then we discount that we're the ones who created the magic in the first place so everything you've done um, everyone on the call and everyone listening in the future to discount your magic and your creation. Will you destroy and uncreate it all? Right and wrong, good and bad, all nine, pot and pox, shorts, boys and beyond. And all the automatic response systems of, I'm getting the words like self-hatred, lack, self-disdain, poverty. Yeah, all of those automatic responder systems that you have going on that are stopping you from being a pragmatic future, the pragmatic futurist you truly are, because we're just covering, uncovering what you are. Will you destroy and create all that? Right and wrong, good and bad, all nine, pot and pox, shorts, boys, and beyond. So, yeah, so, I mean, there's, I, I mean, for me to answer the question, what do I see for the future, I could probably go on for 10 days probably the rest of my life about what I know is possible. But I think that the first thing that will heal the earth um, and reverse the direction that it's going is just a level of kindness to one another. Um, And that's different than nice. Kindness to me is more present. It's actually being with the person and being willing to see them as an asshole or as the kindest person you've ever met, but just being present with them. That is to me, the the kindness and the future that we can create so yeah kind of kind of like the whole utopian ideal that um you know everyone is good or you could just acknowledge that some people are pretty shitty and it is right point of view right exactly Mm -hmm. um you we were talking about that yesterday can you talk a little bit about that um, well, actually, I, I've kind of been stuck on the idea that I wanted to ask you about. You brought up the sort of Disney princess fantasy stuff that you, you used to have, and I cringe. I don't want to say cringe, but I pinch my lips when I say used to have because um, Maruda put up a lovely <laughs> post about your room together. And I like how you say that maybe that was the utopian ideal or something about the Disney princess stuff. But uh, 
last I checked, you always have birds flying into your room. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, <laughs> at my first seven day, two, well, I kept two years ago. I think it was only two years ago. It feels like forever. Um, I, I was so into utopian ideals and being Cinderella. Um, <laughs> I said, Gary, I've created myself so much as Cinderella that every, like, every few days I'm, I'm in the room and birds are flying into the windows, smashing into the windows and dying. Um, because I was talking about that scene in Cinderella where the birds come in and dress her and all that stuff. And um, then today when I left the resort um, that we were at for facilitators, Maruta, my roommate, said five minutes after Julia left, a bird um, came in and sort of knocked on the window. And I think that she opened the window and let it in. So that means that I am not killing the birds. So I have come a bit of a way. But it is still a work in progress. Like I'll catch myself and I'll be like, like I'll, I'll get sort of like contract myself into, well, this is the perfect life. This is how it should be. Or, and I just try to pog and pod myself as much as I can, but it's still a work in progress. But, um, I think the fact that the birds lived is, I'm just, is a I'm, good indication I'm, of right, how far right. I've come. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wonder, is that actually a futurist? Right. When when you're thinking about the Disney princesses and stuff, is there some sort of futurist in there, actually? You know, that's a really good question because... Like, is that actually the other possible? Right. And I am having a telecall on that coming up. And I mean, so I'm glad got, that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I think so you're right. And I think that now? I... The telecall is <laughs> called Living Beyond Disney. So... We'll be talking about, I'm going to be talking a lot about the automatic response systems, the things that keep us like responding in the same way we have our whole entire lives without mm-hmm. any choice. And we're also going to be talking a lot about utopian ideals. And I, I think that you're right. And that's something I've been looking at. And I didn't say it just now because I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'm at with this. But I think that, that, um, there is a future in that. And I've twisted parts of it into a fairy tale, mm-hmm. but I've been working on it for quite a while and it's still coming up as something that's possible. And now I'm actually seeing that it is possible. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> kind of like how Dane's class over the facilitators, his extra class that he did, we went I don't know if deep is the word, into um, acknowledging or maybe looking at at what you make yourself most wrong for is actually your greatest capacity. Is that what it was? Do you remember? Your your greatest wrongness is your rightness or something like that? Yeah, your greatest capacity. Yeah, your greatest strength. Mm -hmm. So let's run a clearing on that. Everything that, that... well, I'm going to include myself, all of us. Everything that we've done to create our greatest, that that we've done to twist our most incredible capacity into a wrongness of us, and everywhere that's an automatic um, response system, can we destroy and uncreate it all? Yeah. Right and wrong, good and bad, all nine pot and pock, shorts, boys, and beyond. Yeah. So um, does any, I'm just going to throw the lines open. Um, it's pretty late, so we only have about five callers on the line. But if anyone has any questions, uh, please feel free to jump in and ask. And if not, I would like to run a couple more. I have some really good clearings here. Um, I'm just loving this whole automatic Response systems. Responder systems, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Actually, what first came up to mind is that um, is that since I was kind of listening to it just before we got on this call, Gary was always talking. Gary was talking about how autistic kids don't have them. Um, so that's why maybe 
really difficult for them to function in this reality because they just there's no use for them they don't see a point in it because obviously they're a little bit more aware than we are maybe just a little (laughs) right (laughs) whereas we just walk around as we put ourselves on autopilot and and actually one of the mornings uh, maybe it was this morning yeah it was this morning or yesterday morning i woke up i couldn't even respond to anybody would say good morning or buenos dias and i'd be like uh uh uh, uh, uh i don't know what i'm supposed to say you know isn't that the whole auto responder like what am i supposed to say as opposed to just what do I feel like being today? Right. What would create the most for me in this moment? Wow. That's so interesting. It's like that place where somebody will say, hi, you know, where are you going? And you'll say, oh, hi, I'm good. Like you don't even listen to their question. You just respond um, mm. before you even ask. It. And and it yeah. totally ties into my idea, my my possibility for a future of presence and kindness because without these autoresponder systems, we would have no choice but to be totally present in each moment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And well, how much of like the person going, Oh, how are you doing? How much of that an autoresponder to, Oh, this person's in front of me. I should agree in some sort of manner. Because if you ask somebody, oh, hey, how are you doing? And your response back was, actually, I'm having a terrible day. You want to hear about it? You would be like, whoa, hey, <laughs> you're <laughs> exactly. a jerk. Exactly. Like, and that's so truth. <laughs> that's so the difference between being nice and being kind. They're completely different realities. Mm-hmm. Nice is what we should do. And kind is the possibility of what we, of the future that we can create, of who we are. Mm-hmm. So, well, nice oh, that's is like so being, funny. Yeah. Yeah, nice is being nice no matter what. I was always considered, like, really nice guy. And I was. Because I, I mean, how much do you have to judge yourself to be nice? And I judged the shit out of myself in order to be nice. Um, because that's what you're supposed to do. And I learned all my morals from television and, and Disney movies and things like that. So that's how I knew I was a good person was because I was following the rules that they told me to follow. <laughs> right. Whereas huh. kindness... We're an, ex, we're an ex-prince and ex-princess out to change the world. <laughs> right? So, like, kindness is something like when... I'll go back to Nepal too again, just because it's, if you haven't been to a place like that, um, maybe as much, but when you're there, there, where I was, there were some very young kids, like 10 or younger that were all like, that all just like laid around on the side of the sidewalk, homeless kids and sniffed glue all day. And, um, the first thing that people told you when you got there is, you know, don't give them any money because they're just going to keep sniffing the glue. We want them to go to school. So if nobody gave them money, they wouldn't be able to glue and they might actually go to school and create their lives in some manner. Um, which was a really, another really interesting thing to see when you see these kids just balled up and on the ground sniffing a bag of glue. And, and the same can be said like wild animals, you to the park or something they say please don't feed the geese please don't feed the ducks please don't feed the wild animals why because then the wild animals look for that area of a source of food and they don't end up actually creating their own lives for themselves and surviving on their own so um that's that i agree with you i mean that that's kind of one of those things in that area of niceness and kindness right that's interesting. How long were you in Nepal for? I was there for a month, about a month. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, exactly a month actually. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm looking at my notes um, from the class right now, and I I came across a really fantastic clearing that I'm going to share. Um, so, what have you made so vital about never possessing the difference of you that keeps you? eternally seeking 
the auto-response system of the absolute wrongness of you and not the difference of you. And everything that brings up times a godzillion, will you destroy and uncreate it all? Right and wrong, good and bad, all nine pot and pox, shorts, boys, and beyond. Yeah. Thank you, Julia. Yeah. So, um, so we, I, did you talk about when I, before I got on, I know that I talked about pragmatism, but did you talk about the definition of futurist? I did. And that was the, I mean, you've got a short definition of something like a futurist is what to see possibilities. Uh, the futurist is one who knows what the future will be without a solidification of what is actually a possibility. And then the pragmatist is willing to create the futures. So I like, um, I'll actually pull from the very first page of Gary's new book, Beyond the Utopian Ideal, the uh, portion of creating your life, creating your future. And in the very beginning, the very first thing he said, you create your life and your future. You create it with question, possibility, choice, and contribution. And then rather than using these four elements, most people look for the ideal situation and come to conclusions and decisions about what it should be. And I think that's definitely something I did with my life in the past was I looked at um, what I felt like I should do with my life and, and that if I work really hard, I'll get paid. And when I worked really hard and I didn't get paid, what I I looked at what ha- what would I where would I be if I actually did get paid what I felt I should have been paid and was that really going to create what I wanted to create and it was not so it's time for things to change no kidding um, mm-hmm. I feel a clearing coming on I'm in a clearing mood um, oh so you what, are right now <laughs> what bastardization of question choice possibility and contribution are um, you all using to create the limited pile of shit life you are choosing (laughs) (laughs) and everything that brings up times a godzillion will you destroy and uncreate it all I pulled Mm -hmm. it out of everyone's heads right wrong good bad all nine pod pox shorts boys and beyond I'm I'm not even sure if I've got anything going on in my head at the last six days <laughs> Not your head. <laughs> I know. I apparently so. I'm like, because I don't even. I'm like, what? I just. Um, I guess I can also say I just finished the day. I went went with um, the access team. I was lucky to be invited to El Lugar to go take a look at it. And um, for those who don't know, what is El Lugar? Oh, thank you so much. There's <laughs> actually a YouTube video on the access. YouTube channel. If you just search what is Elugar, um, you can look it up there. Check that video out. So Elugar is actually a land that's about five co- is that right? yeah, five kilometers long and one and a half kilometers wide. So it's one mile wide and three miles long. So if you've ever run a 5K, it's about that long, and it sits right in a place called the Organization of Tropical Studies. Now, it's normally written in Spanish. I don't feel like saying it in Spanish right now. So it sits next to a ton of land that is pretty much a land trust, and that's actually the plan right now is to turn the vast majority of Elugar into a land trust. It's not a land that Gary owns or Access Consciousness owns at the moment, but it is... Um, probably going to be turned into an organization and then also a I'm reluctant to use the resort word resort but since I have lack of a better word resort uh, on sort of the northern end of the party where it's a place where people can kind of learn to live with the land and be in communion with the land and be in communion with each other and gift and receive to each other and I gotta say, just being there today, the land is 
don't tell Gary, but it might be a better facilitator than him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, there's a couple, there's two rivers on the property and, um, it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. And the wildlife there, because of the organization of tropical studies right nearby with the, um, target of maybe I shouldn't say preservation of wildlife, uh, because maybe you're not trying to necessarily keep it the same, but all the time, but the preservation of their actual ecosystem and their, their habitat, the word I'm looking for is so, um, there's just so many birds everywhere and it's just the smells and the lush green area. And there's so much space and it's so hilly for riding horses. And it's just, it's, it's huge and it's wonderful and it's great. And it's, it's just awesome for exploration. So keep your eyes out for those that listen to this for things to come on Elugar. There's a lot happening Plan to happen. Where did Gary get the name Elugar? Oh, thank you. God, look at me skipping over all the important okay. stuff here. <laughs> Elugar stands for the place in Spanish, and it's based off the book that Gary wrote called The Place. And you should probably pick up one of those. It's a great story, call it that, of uh, the place where all things are possible. Um, yeah. whatever you wish to create uh, where things are always changing and and that which you know you know and that which you know you can create and it's a perfect place for the future pragmatist pragmatic futurist I'm saying it backward <laughs> oh, I think is, that Costa Rica has you'd actually be heart. able to get it yesterday <laughs> pardon me I said, if you see a future and you, that you know is possible at the place, you might actually get it yesterday. Whoa. There's the wedgie for the evening. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, Costa Rica has definitely won our hearts, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Although, for me, again, the, the my pregnancy for me as far as pragmatic futurist is concerned uh, to me Elugar is just the beginning that's all absolutely yeah I look at India put one there China schools yeah places you know and uh, wait, Connor and I were also at a meeting this weekend um, about the school that they're building um, access for knowledge, the Access for Knowledge Foundation, which is a foundation created by Access Consciousness, um, is is working on a on an online school. So that's mm-hmm. really going to be interesting about how we're going to, you know, give kids who are autistic or OCD or ADHD or even people who mm-hmm. have none of that. I I wouldn't. Um, I know a lot of people who do access have. Um, certain or high, I know a lot of high functioning autistic people let's just say that and mm-hmm. um, this is going to be an incredible school where we take the curriculum and fit it to the to the being to the to the, to the students taking taking it and and I'm to me that is the beginning of a future of an entirely different reality and we're the well, ones creating only, it yeah and not only that like, it's it's this that school is all about not making anyone any student wrong um, and really empowering them to know that they know and sort of I don't want to say figure things out because it's like a thing manner but um, just to help them to know that they know as opposed to beating them down that they should just listen to everybody else and everybody else is right and they should see everyone else's point of view and it's okay to create your own view or just look at everybody's point of view and go, Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah. What will this create? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also want about that to add about the Elugar thing is because at, at a place like the place, wherever the place may end up 
being is it's just a thing that I didn't ever understand and I continue to develop more of an understanding for and get that I thought I got something but realized I didn't. Like this, just in this last week, in the last months, how much more I am now willing to receive because that's one of the things and that's a thing that I think that probably happened with the online school and, and Elugar and things is it's a place to teach people that they can receive because I think right. we're probably all born knowing that we can receive, although we're raised in a manner that we can't or we shouldn't. Um, yeah. Well, and it's I like, know there's probably a lot of people that may hear this don't know what I even mean when I say receiving. <laughs> but, um, um, well, it's like we've twisted this place where, you know, we can gift and receive and we've twisted into a give and take universe. So it's like, if we give something, then, you know, the person, it's an exchange. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I give you this, then you give me that. If you give me that, then I have to give you this. It's like when you buy your friend a birthday present for $20 and then they have to buy you one for $25 and then you have to buy them one for 30. There's actually no kindness in that. That's being nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's where we're actually like pushing away receiving, um, in favor of a lesser possibility, which is give and take and obligation. Um, a lot of the way sex is in this reality is based on, well, they did this for me. So now I have to do this for them for this amount of time. It's, and, and that that's what we've been taught in this reality is as the way to do things so that we aren't judged. Um, as being selfish or being greedy or being wrong, but those are actually like, and it could an infinite being be selfish or greedy? It, that that's not even relevant. That's not even a question if you're functioning as an infinite being. But when we're making ourselves finite and functioning in a limited reality, you know, it it turns into give and take and not wanting to be judged and sort of being the ping pong ball, just being smashed wherever you know, somebody smashes you. That's the automatic response system. Um, So you can see how it all ties in together, but like receiving, like going out into nature and laying in the stream, you know, that's receiving. And Mm -hmm. eating an ice cream cone and just enjoying it is receiving. I I love that you brought up going out into nature, laying in the stream, because that's what we did today. We all jumped in the water and, and swam around in the river in our underwear. And the fish were coming up and like, I don't even know if they were nibbling on me, but just like bumping into me, like all over my body, like saying, Hey, what's up? Right. And it was just, it's that's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. So and that's the, that's the oneness that, that we are. Yeah. And for those that hear this, that are going to the seven day, Gary did mention here at facilitators that they are planning to put something together so that people who go to the seven day can, um, um, pay towards the foundation that uh, is being created for Elugar to maybe, I I think he said donate. Um, And people will be going to Elugar the day after um, the class and getting to see the land. Wow. I'm excited. I can't wait. That's the plan. Hopefully it doesn't get plan, pulled out. Dan. I get yelled at for this. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> if I do, I'd get yelled at. Whatever. <laughs> uh, too bad. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing is, like, what what time is it? It's ten o'clock at night, mountain time, midnight mm-hmm. for some people. And like, mm-hmm. the, if if you're on this call, if you're listening, please realize that you're creating this too. We're all in this together, and and everything you've done to dismiss your capacities and your creative abilities um, in favor of a lesser reality um, and being nice will you destroy and uncreate it all right yes, wrong please. with that all nine pod park shorts boys and beyond and can so, I just ask one last question yes what future is everyone else everyone else aware of yeah and how soon would you like that future to arrive Wow. Whew.
Well, with that question hanging in the air, I think we should call it a night. Um, thank you so much for being on today, Connor. This was really thank good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. And have a good, are you flying back to the States tomorrow? I get to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to catch a cab to the airport. Yay. <laughs> awesome. All um, right. Well, um, thank, thank you everyone who joined the call. And uh, we will talk to you next week on a totally different reality. Um, we'll be talking more about oneness and nature um, because Susie Godsey is going to be on the show. And we're going to be talking about conscious horse, conscious rider. So, um, and that is going to be, I believe, at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time next week. I've been jumping around a little bit with the times um, just because my life has been so sporadic. But um, I think that now I'm, that I'm, well, as settled as I could ever be. But now that I'm here in Costa Rica on a bit of a schedule, um, we'll probably continue um, at 6 p.m. every night. Um, but I'll let you know. But uh, that's it for next week. So, Thanks so much, Connor, and uh, have a really good flight. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.